Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi. So before we get into this episode, we wanted to thank you for listening and let you know a couple of things you can do to support the show and make sure we can keep bringing it to you every single week. First, and frankly, most fun things first, our secret menu membership program, which is a once weekly members only newsletter that costs four bucks a month, which comes out to, you know, a dollar a week. If you enjoy our free Monday newsletter, chances are you'll probably like this one too. It's got shopping picks, gift guides, recipes, rundowns of our favorite things in various categories like what are the cute toilet brushes? A question I know you have been asking. And it even has an advicey column where we answer audience questions. Sign up for it at a thing or two hq.com and you'll even get access to all the back issues you missed while you were sleeping on it. And here's something else you can do to help us out that doesn't cost a dime. Subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You may have noticed that discovery is still stupidly hard when it comes to podcasts and subscriptions and reviews make a big difference in helping us get on the radar of other new listeners. All right. So you want a third thing? Support our advertisers. Use these codes that they give us when you shop with them. We only work with brands we believe in, and we hope you love them as much as we do. We're ridiculously grateful to you for listening and for showing us your support in whatever way you do. Thank you. And now on to the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two hq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, please leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. We love to hear from you. And especially as we are thinking about going into the new year and planning new content, we want to know what you want to hear. Also, as a reminder, we offer free ad reads to Black-owned businesses. So hit us up at podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Hi. Hi. So... We want you really wanted to discuss dumplings. On this I really episode. wanted to discuss dumplings. I didn't not want to discuss dumplings, but no, you, and, yeah. And here's something I'd like to say as I was thinking about dumplings and specifically dumplings as an aesthetic, I also surfaced the fact that like dumpling as a color is maybe trending a, a little bit. Oh. Um, I saw like a, a baby um, fleece from Old Navy that was a dumpling colored. I saw a sweater somewhere else. And you right now, ma'am, are wearing a, a jacket or a shirt that I think could be dubbed dumpling. I'm totally wearing. I, I, it's in fact a jumpsuit. 
So it's neither oh. a jacket or a shirt. I'm head to toe dumpling right now. I can't see your waist. <laughs> I can't see your waist. Let weirdly. Me there yeah, you go. perfect. Perfect. Um, it's like a warm cream. Yeah. You know? And I could also see dumpling, like the dumpling spectrum all the way going to another of my favorites, which is like a light beige taupe. Um, and sometimes that's like a dumpling color too. Totally. I've actually heard that color um, referred to as couscous in the past as well. Oh, right. So. Yes. <laughs> true. True. Um, but we're we're feeling a dumpling aesthetic right now. We're feeling a dumpling aesthetic. And I think the, the thing that really put this on my radar, well, two things like kind of happened at once. One, a line that we really like, Simon Miller released mm-hmm. a bag in that the, the shape is dubbed dumpling. And it joins a suite of other bags that are yeah. dubbed dumpling. There's one from the line LMA and there's one from the line Emily Levine. And then there are like all kinds of other bags that may as well be dumpling shape. They're not called the dumpling. I feel like this start, I want to give credit to Bottega Veneta for the pouch, which is this, it's like a dumpling shaped clutch basically and a beautiful supple leather. And it became the it bag when like it bags, when everybody thought it bags were over. And then Mansur Gavriel did the cloud bag, which was really similar. And And really what is a dumpling if not a cloud? Absolutely. If if not a pouchy cloud. A pouchy cloud. (laughs) Um, a cloud yeah. you can put things inside of. It's <laughs> definitely the vibe, the slouchy, pouchy, cloudy dumpling. And like, why not? Because it's so like dumplings are comforting. They're warm. They're soft. They lack structure. That is what 2020 has given to us. 100%. <laughs> I do feel like dumplings as a food are basically like, they're like the sweatpants of food. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And so it, it just makes, it makes perfect sense to me that this would all be surfacing at around the same time, yes. um, at least in my consciousness, if not globally. Um, <laughs> the other thing I encountered right alongside the Simon Miller thing was this amazing line called Wonton and a Million, which is basically this like Sanrio-esque cast of characters that are that are all dim sum foods. And it was started by this woman, Cynthia Koo, who dreamt up what the, the you know, Wonton and a Million dubbed the dim sum steam team. <laughs> The dim sum steam team is really good. It's remarkable. even better than wonton in a million. Yeah, no, it's I dumped it, dim sum steam team is my favorite part of the whole yeah. exercise for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and her dad managed what was my favorite dim sum restaurant in New York until it closed, Oriental Garden. And while he was working there, he managed it for thirty years. She was like, "Why doesn't this exist? Like, why? Like, why aren't there not punny greeting cards featuring shumai and dumplings and what have you?" It's just great. It's just great. We've also surfaced a whole host of other dumpling-themed accessories should you want to go really deep on the dumpling aesthetic. Obviously. Um, So this woman, I don't, again, this is one of those things that like definitely stumbled upon completely randomly. But this woman, this uh, artist, Stephanie, she has this porcelain, these like beautiful porcelain dumplings. It could be like paperweights or just like little sculptures. The gold one is sold out. Um, Shocker of all shockers. Bummer. Summer. And if you're interested in like a softer version of this, Dumpling Mart makes felt dumplings in sets, like in like a full, like an order of dumplings. Um, and they also do soup dumpling style. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Bergdorf Goodman has a soup dumpling ornament, which is maybe on sale by the time this episode airs because, you know, we're past Christmas ornament season. It's pretty I mean, outstanding. I was truly upset when I found this and yeah. like felt like I missed out on it for my my ornament purchase for Thomas this year. Because we also both ate a lot of dumplings this year. We stocked our freezers with dumplings. And so it yes. felt like a theme of the year. Yes, absolutely. Urban Outfitters has a Smoko dumpling light. They don't call it 
a nightlight, but I call it a nightlight. Like it looks to me right. like a dumpling nightlight, which how like a nightlight is inherently so sweet and kind and how sweet is a dumpling nightlight? So comforting, so cozy. Yeah, that's right. And uh, what I really love is the product photography shows this on somebody's bookshelf and behind there's like a bunch of books and they are cookbooks, but they <laughs> serving <laughs> serving as like the book end is a stack of ramen. <laughs> and then there's a little... Uh, like ramen packets or, you know, packets. God bless this prop stylist. And then, and then to the left of that is just a Kikoman soy sauce bottle. It's absolutely incredible. Like, and, and it's dimly lit so that you get the soft glow of the dumpling nightlight. It's re- I, I'm unclear what, like what we're supposed to imagine is, is going on in this room, but I love it. I think it's whatever you want it to be. I think this room yeah. is an oasis is yeah. what it is. Um, and then something else that was just, um, speaking of comforting and cozy, (laughs) this brand mud heads makes a pot sticker pipe and it is Claire. I need you to see it. It's just, wow. Wow. It's, um, it's innovative in form. It's innovative in form. Yeah. The little well is like on the bottom flat part of the dumpling like it's it's not where you think it would be it's a pan fried dumpling um thank you (laughs) and the well is is where the pan hits the dumpling interesting and then yeah the mouthpiece is like the tip of the dumpling i'm interested if anybody buys this please let us know how it functions if it's please effective and it appears to also come in a little takeout box which Mm. like why not you know right like let's carry this all the way through and the prop styling suggests you buy four and line them up on a little appetizer plate like you would get them at the restaurant. I mean, <laughs> which again, why not? I rich, rich, you know, rich, rich, rich. Even for a novelty pipe, this is pretty impressive, you know? And I This just, is pretty I, novel. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty novel. Uh, uh, please send us your other dumpling finds. We would like more. Please do. Um, all right, should we bring on our guest? Yes, our guest is Alicia Ramos, founder of Girls Night Inn. Um, It is a newsletter for a community of women who love staying in. And she also this year launched her second business, Wild, which is a line of artful, whimsical puzzles for slowing down. I feel like if you weren't already aware of Girls Night In, you probably became aware of it in 2020 because it really, it's just all about finding stuff to do and to calm your mind when you're staying in on a Friday night. And we were staying in, we were all staying in every Friday night this year. Thank you so much to Sweaty Betty for sponsoring today's episode. So I work out pretty much every day of the week and I have for a really long time. It's just a big part of my life. And I get asked kind of a lot, like, what are your tips for starting a workout routine or what are your tips for sticking to a workout routine? And always in my like top three is having the right clothes or just having clothes that you're excited about. Because believe it or not, I, I genuinely think that a huge barrier to entry for working out is just getting dressed. Like it's an annoying thing to do and you do have to put on a special costume for it. And if you're excited about the clothes that you're wearing, you're going to be more likely to put them on and then you're like halfway there to your workout. And then if you feel good about them, once you're wearing them, you're going to keep doing your workout because you're going to feel good. So I was so excited to finally try Sweaty Betty's five-star rated power leggings, which I feel like they've been a total thing in the workout world for years. And I keep hearing about them that I'd never tried them before. Which feels crazy. Feels crazy, right? Like I just, I'd never encountered them in my personal life despite always hearing about them. And they totally live up to the hype. The hype being, like there's many elements of the hype, but I will say that one of the biggest elements of the hype is that they make your butt look good and confirmed. 
They make your butt look friggin' great. <laughs> um, so the Sweaty Buddy Power Leggings have expertly placed seams and squat tested compression fabric that sculpt your butt to be, well, very like peach emoji status. They are also quick drying with ample pockets on the back and the side, which if you're a runner, you understand how important that is for all of your keys and headphones and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they are high-waisted with an adjustable drawstring and the seams are all perfectly placed in a way that will make you look and feel very good. The fabric on the Sweaty Betty Power Leggings is opaque, so you're not worried about your underwear showing during your squat session. And they come in so many colors and patterns, including tortoiseshell, which is what I got, which is a key because Sweaty Betty tells us that so many people come back to buy a second pair of these because they're great, great, great. Because you deserve to look amazing before, during, and after your workout, go to sweatybetty.com slash a thing or two and use our code a thing or two at checkout to get 20% off your purchase. This is the best offer Sweaty Betty has available anywhere spelled S-W-E-A-T-Y-B-E-T-T-Y.com slash a thing or two. Use sweatybetty.com slash a thing or two, promo code a thing or two. Thank you so much to Helma for sponsoring today's episode. So during the last few months, or let's be honest, the last year, I have been getting a lot more headaches than usual from grinding my teeth at night, from clenching my jaw during the day, from PMS, from doing a really bad job of managing my caffeine intake, from being a human living in the world. Um, And I've been really thrilled to discover the products from a new female-founded brand called Hilma that makes natural remedies that work in the moment for those everyday aches and pains. So when I feel a headache coming on that's sort of, you know, I know going to be one of those debilitating things that's going to make another Zoom call even more painful than it already is. I have been taking their tension headache relief supplement. Um, There's also one for immune support, upset stomach relief, allergy relief. The products are formulated by traditionally trained doctors and holistic practitioners, so you get the best of both worlds. Hilma has also taken the unique step as a natural remedy brand of running clinical studies on their products, and the results are impressive. For example, 94% of study participants saw a decrease in feelings of upset stomach after only 30 minutes with taking their upset stomach relief. They take ingredient transparency seriously and use the highest quality non-toxic natural ingredients, which you can read all about on their website to learn what they each do to help your body. You can also learn about the mystery ingredients they don't include. So there are no fillers, no added sugars, no dyes, which is just great stuff. Finally, it's founded by three women, work wives, who saw the need for this and got to work. We, of course, like to support all of that. Hilma has received endorsements from Forbes, Vogue, Birdie, and of course, us. Right now, if you go to hilma.co slash a thing or two and get the Hilma starter set, you can get both a free gift with purchase, a beautiful tote bag designed by an amazing female artist and 20% off. Use this code, a thing or two, A-T-H-I-N-G-O-R-T-W-O for 20% off. That's 20% off and a free gift with purchase with the starter trio. It makes a really nice holiday gift, but you really do need to order it now to get it in time spelled Hilma, H-I-L-M-A dot C-O slash a thing or two. It's time to give your medicine cabinet an upgrade with Hilma. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Claire. Happy birthday. 
It's not actually your birthday yet, <laughs> but it will be when this airs. It will that be was wonderful future. play acting, Claire. When you listen really back, wonderful. when you listen back to this, it'll be your birthday, and I just want to make sure that I wished you a happy have hit birthday. that note. Thank yeah, you. Exactly. That is very kind of you to say to future me, and future um, me will definitely appreciate that. <laughs> Can we talk about past you for a second? Because yes. we first like met, quote unquote, met you on the internet years and years ago when you were still in college on a women's list host that was then yes. called XX in Tech. And you were writing your thesis about women in venture funding. That's right. And this That's was right. at, in, in, at a school in Cambridge, right? At a, at a school just <laughs> yeah. outside of Boston. <laughs> cool. um, can you tell us about that? Because I remember being like, wow, this woman. Who is this woman? Yeah, who is this woman who's tackling this and who's like saying a lot of things that people aren't saying? This is super interesting. Like, what did you learn from that process? Why did you even decide to write about that? Wow. Blast from the past, first of all. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, I think... It's really funny. The I think the main driver around writing my senior thesis around the lack of women in venture capital and the lack of venture capital going towards women founders was directly, uh, I hope they're not listening to this, but directly as a result of working at a VC firm in Boston the summer after my sophomore year or yeah, summer after my sophomore year. And just realizing how like masculine the office environment was certainly like the makeup of the team, the deal flow that they were seeing. And I remember being like a tiny little sophomore in college and looking at all these amazing women founded companies that were just coming up at the time, like uh, Rent the Runway, I think was just getting off the ground. Birchbox was, I think they had just launched. And I was like, you guys need to look at these companies. They're amazing. Like I love them. Women around my age love them. Like you should take a look. And I was really the only associate or like intern slash associate who was bringing in those types of deals. So I think that that was when it clicked for me that like, oh, women aren't getting money because there's no one at these firms telling them to take women seriously and take women run ventures seriously. So I think that was what drove me to, to look into the numbers. And then once I saw the numbers, I was like, mm, yeah, this, is, <laughs> this isn't great. And also there's not a lot of um, like scholarly literature around it too. I think most of the the resources that I pulled from were from around like the early 90s um, of people looking at, it was called like Route 87 or something in, in like the, the Boston, Massachusetts area. It used to be like a really big VC stronghold or whatever. And no one had really like taken a fresh look around that time when all these like new, exciting D to C like commerce uh, consumer companies were coming up. Did that experience influence like wanting to start Girls Night In or the way you went about starting it, the way you thought about funding it? Because I could see it as being something that was like, wow, I really don't want to start a business. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a, that is a really good question. Um, because when I fundraised for Girls Night In, it was, it was very difficult. Um, fundraising in general, I think is, is a difficult thing. But for me, as an introvert 
and just, I don't know, someone who sometimes lacks self-confidence, I had a lot of trouble just like pitching myself to these men in suits and trying to convince them that I had like a billion dollar opportunity or whatever. Um, So I put myself through that though. And I'm now trying to figure out like why after writing (laughs) that senior thesis. Um, I I think I saw, I I guess I saw that like it, it is possible a lot of, and the interesting thing about that experience and about like what a lot of the founders were saying to me, the female founders were that actually like, I actually don't think my gender had any role to play, which was really frustrating for me to hear because I, I wanted to be like, but really like, right. I'm sure. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't know that it super discouraged me from raising I think just like my personality discouraged me from raising. <laughs> and I didn't for a while. Like I, I was running GNI on my own for I think a year and a half, just completely like killing myself basically, um, totally depleted of all energy and, and trying to do it all on my own basically. And then I got to a point where I was like, oh, well, I have this data, I have actual data, I have actual traction. And now I feel like I have the confidence to go out and say, you should fund me because I did these things, not because you should fund me because I might do these things. If that makes sense. That's totally. great. Yeah. Totally. Girls Night In is now releasing its 200th installment, which is crazy, 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 crazy. And you're doing it in a year that, you know, this this publication or this um, business is all about encouraging people to embrace like being in, mm-hmm. but doing that from a place of like wanting to be in um, and mm-hmm. having the option to not be in. And so you're doing this all in the year where we all have been forced in, which is a fascinating thing. Yeah. How has, how has the perspective of this year shaped the kind of content that you're producing or how you're thinking about Girls Night In in general? Oh my gosh. So <laughs> so many thoughts. It's a big question. <laughs> I th- it is a really big question. I think, so I can talk about that on a personal level and then also on a professional level and how we're dealing with it and how we've dealt with it on the team. But personally, to be like very honest and transparent with you, when lockdown happened, I was like, this is my Super Bowl. I <laughs> can now stay in and not um, not give any fake excuses or whatever for like not wanting to go into DC or like go out to restaurants or like, I mean, I love doing those things, but I, I am definitely more on the like socially lazy side sometimes. So I, I liked having that excuse, but I also think right now I'm feeling the anxieties and like the isolation of lockdown that people probably felt several months ago because several months ago me and my husband were very busy like planning a wedding and moving into our new home and so all those things I think were like busy distractions um and I felt fine I I guess that's like what I'm trying to say like personally I felt fine like maybe even good about having this excuse to slow down, not have to come up with excuses to like go out and, and socialize. But now um, in December, November, I'm starting to feel what I think everybody else felt several months ago. Like I'm losing my mind. (laughs) I'm like so bored. I'm like watching the squirrels like every morning 
in our backyard because I have nothing else to do. Like, um, and I'm starting to feel kind of like that darker mood. So personally, that's how I've been dealing with the staying in thing. Um, even as an introvert, I think even for me, it's becoming a lot, which is saying a lot, but work wise. Yeah. Like I think when lockdown happened, I got some texts from friends who were like, you must be so, this is such a great moment for girls night in. Like you guys are probably growing like crazy. And I was like, I guess so. Like, I guess more people are interested in, in what we have to say because we are quote experts at staying in whatever that means. (laughs) 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 Um, But at the same time, like that's such a weird thing to say to me. Like, people are dying and it's, it's kind of a dark, it is a very dark and tragic time. Like it's hard for me to feel excited or like feel happy or confident in our business um, because of these like very tragic circumstances. So I think because of that, like it took our team a while to like find our feet and figure out what, what kind of tone do we take with the newsletter because right now, like you mentioned, Erica, like people are not staying in as a choice. Like they're staying in literally to survive and literally to save others' lives. For like public um, health reasons. Yeah, yeah. for public yeah. health reasons. And what came out of that was a project that was called stayhometakecare.com, which was our response to, okay, like people are processing this moment in many different ways. Like some people want to be entertained. Some people want to help others and like jump into that helping mode, which is um, kind of like where I personally drift towards. Some people have kids and all they want to do is how the heck do I entertain my kids while uh, we're, we're all at home right now. And so I think we kind of skirted the tone issue in a way by providing all these like different avenues for you to go down. So that was a really fun project to work on. One of the things that I've been so impressed by about Girls' Night In is that there's this really strong sense of community. And it's like, you know, it started as a newsletter and now it's a lot more than that. But like, how do you create so much community just around a newsletter? What do you think made your audience feel so comfortable interacting with you and interacting with each other? I grew up on online communities. Mm. I, as an eight-year-old, I remember going on like Neopets. I don't know if you yep. Yep. <laughs> like Neopets and... <laughs> Live journal, I had, I still have access to my live journal. I was looking at, at it the other day, but I've, I had written in it since 2002, maybe 2000. Amazing. Yeah. Literally just spilling my guts to strangers. And there was this cute little community of people um, that some of them I actually got to meet in person like a few years ago, which was really cool. So I think like online driven community has always been this kind of like nerdy thing about me that's sustained me. And so as a result, like I just love sharing and connecting with people online and like definitely sometimes an overshare. And especially in the beginning of, of the newsletter, I think that's what people really connected to because they felt like, Oh, these newsletters kind of feel like they're coming from a friend. And that's why your newsletters are so great too. Cause because it has a very similar friendly tone to them too. I also will say like, I have noticed in our community, the lounge community Slack channel that 
um, there's a very specific profile of hmm. uh, our community member. And sometimes I'll, I'll read something somebody says, and I'm like, can we be best friends? Like very specific <laughs> things like, oh, like Alicia, have you seen this BBC show called like Victorian Gardens. If you love Monty Don, you will love this. And I'm like, um, this is, this is extremely my niche. Like people who are extremely my niche are in part of the GNI community. Like it's slightly nerdy. It's like slightly bookish, but yep. also a little bit basic too. Like we have a lot of Swifties mm-hmm. totally. in our community. And we were talking about Taylor Swift conspiracy theories the other day. It was great. (laughs) I like Taylor Swift conspiracies possibly more than I like Taylor Swift. And I don't dislike Taylor Swift, but I love love the conspiracy. You just like any celebrity conspiracy theory, really, to (laughs) be fair. That's fair. Do you have any opinions on the Taylor? Yeah, I fucking love it. I don't care if it's true. I don't care if it's false. (laughs) I like Carly. I like Taylor. I love the conspiracy and I totally uninterested in the folk music Taylor um it's just like not speaking to me but then but one of my I, I know I know it's I've seen birthday. your Instagram <laughs> I've seen your Instagrams about it <laughs> I'm sorry I'm listen I'm a 1989 girl um but I a friend of mine who I was like on group text we were commiserating that it wasn't speaking to us and then and then my friend said and you know, I'm pretty sure that every single song is about Carly. And I was like, well, I'm going to give it another. I'm here. I'm here. I'm going to give you another <laughs> listen. going to do a close reading. Um, yeah. I'm back. I'm back. Like, I don't care about her. Everybody predicting she's going to get married to Joe Alwyn in the third one. I'm like, sure, fine. Like, who cares? Give me the Carly dirt. I do appreciate how much of this gossip you've consumed, though, Claire. Like, well, I read just, the, like, whole, the, the whole, the liner the, notes. Well, that Tumblr that post that was dedicated to like Diana Agron and you don't know about this? Oh, Alicia, Alicia. Yeah, Alicia, you no. know about this? Oh, oh girl. Wait. Set aside a couple hours. Okay. <laughs> I need to write this down. This yeah. is like a, I don't know, like 2013 maybe era Tumblr it's post. It's vintage. Yeah. It's vintage. Yeah, and for it, sure. It predates Carly Taylor Goss, right? I think Carly enters it like the end, but yes, okay. I, it's actually more focused on Taylor and Diana Agron. I'm pretty sure. I don't what? actually remember the details. I remember the feeling that it gave me when I read it, which was pure joy. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, <laughs> I don't know anything about that. This oh, is- I'm so delighted. Happy birthday. Yeah. You know, Thank this is our you. gift to you. That yeah. is a great gift. I will go yeah. down this rabbit hole. Great. Join us. I will us. search all the tumblers. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love this. I love this. As someone who's a Swifty who doesn't share her Swiftiness as much online, it, I guess it raises a question for me of how do you decide how much of yourself to share online and where and in what context and all of that? Um, oh my gosh, this is like, this is great. This is almost like therapy, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm, I'm kind of like figuring that out right now, yeah. actually. It's um, hard. It is really hard. And I'm curious to hear your answers too, yeah. because I think recently, like this year, I've had more people follow me specifically on Instagram. And for me, my reaction to that is um, paralysis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, like a deer cut. <laughs> like, they see I, me. They see they me. See me. <laughs> and now I'm just so self-conscious about everything I post. I'm like, I can't post every single weird Taylor Swift conspiracy theory that pops into my head now because people are going to judge me or like, unfollow me, which by the way, like who cares if people unfollow me, that shouldn't be a thing. If they don't like your Taylor Swift content, then you don't want them anyway. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. They can, you know, good riddance. (laughs) And I feel like I've gone through 
much like Taylor, I've gone through many different eras of social media curation. Like I went through my era of, oh, maybe I should be a more aesthetic Instagrammer and use the same filter for everything and make sure it's minimalist and like all this stuff. And then I think now I'm in my post something when I have time era. (laughs) Yep. Um, And it, it is like usually something like personal or like a personal life update. But I think my my approach changes all the time. And I love talking to people about this because it's just like so stupid. <laughs> it's not stupid though. I mean, it, it's, it I is. Mean, I mean, Instagram it, yeah. is like so inconsequential in like the grand scheme of things. Well, there yeah. I will disagree with you though, because I, I think like there's a time where I would have disagreed or where I would have agreed and like also struggled with like, why do I even care and why am I thinking about this? But then like you look at this year, especially and the Black Lives Matter movement and the role that that platforms like Instagram played in that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, it's actually really important. Um, well, I also true. think and beyond that, just in this kind of year where there's so little social connection yes, elsewhere. Um, and yeah. yeah. But, but I, you know, it begs the question of like, does this count as social connection? Right. <laughs> true. In this moment, this week, yeah. the past couple of weeks, my approach has mostly been to open an Instagram to post and not consume. Yep. Because more recently, I've I've really figured out that like, oh, I feel really anxious after looking at Instagram for more than like 10 or 15 minutes, which I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. But for me, I know exactly why. It makes me, sometimes it makes me think about work. It makes me think about, oh, like, why are we not doing that thing on our brand? Yep. Why am I not doing this? Like, oh, that reminds me, she got that thing. So I need to get this other like thing for our Christmas gifts or like whatever. Um, You can't control what type of information is going to come in. And that's so hard. You're like, I just want to discover new (laughs) products or I just want to turn my brain off for a minute. And all of a sudden you're going down a totally different rabbit hole. And I think that's so hard. Yeah, it, it's, it is a fire hose of information. And I, so, yeah, I, I go on there. Sometimes I'll post a thing or like post a story. I'll respond to messages. And then I'll look at, I have, I do this really weird thing now where I count, I count five posts and I will trust Instagram's algorithm and I'll go one, two, three, four, five. Okay. I'm done. I need to get out of this. Wow. I love it. It's really weird, but it works for me. It's also (laughs) disciplined. That's incredible. It's for my own sanity, honestly. Um, Smart. But I I think, Claire, like you mentioned a really good point of like, I miss the internet days where we could, we had choice in the matter of like what information we could consume. So I think that's why one of my most used apps on my phone right now is the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not because I'm a masochist, but because like I like going on there and choosing which articles I'm going to double click into. Yes. And that feels like a good thing to do on my phone. It's I, nice to not have things served directly to you and to be able to like, yes, make some yeah. choices, um, which I do think we, you know, not, I don't think any of us are big TikTok users. Um and I do think that the content on there would probably, the content on there, like as if that's a thing. But um, I think a TikTok content has the potential to be more purely entertaining mm-hmm. um, than some of the content that I experience, at least on Instagram. That's but at the true. same time, it is just like really served to you. Like it feels even harder to yeah, make your yeah. own choices. 
my husband's new he's gonna kill me when he listens to this (laughs) (laughs) pre-bedtime routine is he will watch tiktoks for like 15 minutes 30 minutes sometimes in bed and I'll just make fun of him like oh are you watching a tiktok and he'll he won't even respond he's so engrossed and he's just like swipe 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 I'm like that's exactly why I'm not downloading this app because I will do that as well I can't get into it like I'm doomed once TikTok learns what I like, but it hasn't learned what I like. So I get bored really quickly when I go on there. But at, at some point, it will figure out what I like and then it's all over for me. You know what I appreciate? The people on Instagram who curate TikTok. Absolutely. For me. Yes. Absolutely. Like Amina Tuso did that yes. really well. And yes. Zara Rahim does a great job. Um, oh, I need to follow yeah. her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. That That's what I, that's the version of TikTok that I enjoy. Yes. The other thing I wanted to mention that we can link in the episode notes is that Stella Bugby, um, who's a former editor-in-chief of The Cut at New York Magazine, wrote a really good piece recently on what it's like to post on Instagram in 2020 as like a, a critically thinking person and why it is so complicated. And I thought she did a really nice job articulating why it can be so paralyzing. Um, Alicia, you were mentioning before that you had a very busy last few months and not to put too fine a point on uh pandemic productivity, but you've had a very, very um, (laughs) milestone-filled year uh, for 2020, for sure. You got married, you moved, and you launched a second business, Wild, um, which is all like incredibly impressive. How have you personally navigated deciding to do those things and move forward with those things, but then also, you know, just like survive this year? Um... Uh, Erica, that's such a great question. And whenever I think about what happened this year for me personally, I almost feel, honestly, I almost feel a little bit of embarrassment or like shame. Like I, those are really exciting things, but at the same time, I'm like, what was, what's wrong with me? (laughs) Like, I, why couldn't I just slow down? But I, I did reflect a little bit on like the work stuff, at least the things that we launched, like Wild, et cetera, those were all things that had been planned to be launched this year. And I have to say, like, I'm an incredibly stubborn person. And once I have plans set, they can't change. (laughs) So I definitely did the, like, let's just like drive through this and like, let's just get it done this year um, mentality, which ended up being great. Like everything was great and fantastic and like successful, which I'm, I'm really happy about, but I do think like next year will be my year of rest while everybody else is like out in the streets party. Totally. Um, I'm really into right now. I'm thinking about like, you know, how do I want to approach next year? And I'm really into this mindset of removing goals. Mm. I love setting goals, but I realize I just set way too many for myself sometimes. So I love the idea that like, actually I don't have to accomplish that thing just because I said it. Like the only person who said that I have to do that thing is me. So Mm -hmm. I can also remove that. So that feels really empowering and like something that clicked for me recently. Can you tell us about Wild? Can you give us sort of the elevator pitch and tell us then also why you decided to get into the godforsaken world of (laughs) e-commerce? I don't know. Um, no. So <laughs> commerce, I, I am an avid consumer yeah. of goods. This is why I love, I loved of a kind. I love, um, a thing or two, like you are both such great 
curators of consumer things, um, designing things. And I, I think as a result, like I always knew because I love those things so much, I would love to take my own take on it, my own spin and take a crack at it. And puzzles, people have been asking me like, oh, you got in on the puzzles boom. And I'm like, but I've been working on this for two years, <laughs> like before the pandemic, before puzzles were cool. Puzzles um, got in on you. Yeah. yeah puzzles <laughs> got in on me. Um, but puzzles, I think, were really perfect for our first product because Wild, the brand is all about like slowing down, really like embracing this almost like past sense of leisure where being bored was a good thing, like not having anything to do was a good thing. And I think I'm trying to lean into that more personally. Like this is a brand that I need in my life because I am so ambition driven and like very obviously like love being productive. And sometimes it's nice to just sit and not do anything and get away from a screen. I think is the other really big thing. Like we have a TV in our living room and my husband and I like do fall into the trap of watching Netflix every single night. And one of my favorite memories of the past couple of years was, you know, like whenever we decide to turn off the TV, like turn off all screens and do anything else. And usually like we do have a whole set of jigsaw puzzles in our home. So we'll, we'll pull that out we'll drink wine together and we'll chat. And like, those are some of the best conversations that we've had because there's no other distractions or anything like that. How else do you pull yourself out of productivity mode, Alicia? I have a very regimented bedtime routine um, where I try to put my phone on the dresser across from my bed. And I have my, my nightstand looks a little crazy. Like maybe I'll send you a picture afterwards, but I have like six books on it because every night my mood changes of like what I want to read. Um, right now I'm reading Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantel. Mm, mm-hmm. It's just very transportive. It has nothing to do with anything right now. <laughs> no, it does not. Yes. Yep. And it's extremely dense, which I love uh, for now for me. So yeah, books and then gardening, I got into, it's like a new thing. This is definitely my quarantine thing. I've been following your gardening journey and I'm very taken with it. Thank you. And it's interesting too, because I've had many failures. Like I planted crocus bulbs a few months ago and I just realized this morning that we have rabbits in our backyard Mm -hmm. who like to like nibble and they nibbled away all of my crocuses that bloomed. So. I will never see those blooms, <laughs> but um, I, I'm really into it. There's a lot of great floral, um, like gardening classes online. I think you both shared this on the last episode or two episodes ago, but Florit mm-hmm. sells amazing seeds. They're like very aesthetic. So if you're into the a thing or two aesthetic like you'll love these very totally (laughs) totally um monty don of course is like the king of gardening videos and if i can have a fondest memory of like early quarantine please like we're talking late march early april days um it's falling asleep to the dulcet tones of Monty Don. Um, that <laughs> was the it. only thing that could put me to sleep. I so. love it. Yeah. Um, have you read the book Animal Vegetable Miracle by Barbara Kingsolver? 
No. I think you'd be super into it. It's like basically about gardening and more for food, but um, gardening through the seasons and just oh like how gosh. much you learn I'm about that down right now. Yeah, the seasons through it. It's super good. Okay. That sounds amazing. I definitely have a backlog of like all the gardening, gardening adjacent books and gardening, like um, the bunny melon Mm-hmm. gardening mm-hmm. coffee table book I really yes. want that's like on my also in our gift wishes. guide yeah oh great <laughs> basically I'll you're checking off all the answers for someone who wrote into our gift guide and was like my mom and stepdad <laughs> bought a cottage and they need to renovate it what should I get okay huh. great yeah perfect squarely in the middle and, and their mom is me their yeah mom is exactly. Me. That, that, exactly that's the twist I love it that's right. I love it um, this was so fun. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, everybody sign up for Girls Night In if you aren't already. I mean, I feel like our audience must be signed up for Girls Night In and shop the wild puzzles while you can get them. Thank you so much. This is so fun. This is honestly so a dream come true. Huge fan Same. of you both for like decade plus, something like that. Oh my that. gosh. Um, Since you were in college, we were a fan of you. That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found, like Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and much more on a thing or two HQ.com. 